Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 187 of the Masterclass Podcast. My name is Cam Brennan, and I am happy to be joined once again by Lord David Hogue <laughs> of Gardnershire. Yeah, <laughs> I'm well. How are you? Ah, I'm doing all right. It's good, good, good to be together, uh, for sure. Yes, and uh, it always makes always makes me happier when we get to do this. So glad to be yes. uh, here, hanging out with you on the internet, and uh, you know, as we talked uh, earlier before we got on, I am eagerly awaiting our uh, our adventure this October. So, yes should be very exciting and i'm purposely going to leave that as a cliffhanger for the listeners because october's a long way away so we have some time to you know talk about it if we want to or not it's not podcast related at all dave and i are just doing something awesome <laughs> i'm gonna leave it at that for now um <clears throat> but we are back and we are uh still in chapter nine of the book of hebrews and uh while the the section titles of the bible are not original they are often helpful and the title for this section of the esv uh starting in verse 11 is redemption through the blood of christ so that's kind of the the overarching theme uh, of this portion we spoke last episode uh, about verses 11 through 15 um, so if you missed that, the first half of this section um, is on episode 186. So you can go back and check that out if you're interested. Um, otherwise, Dave, I, th I think we should just, just hop in there. What do you think? I'm all for that. Sounds good. All right. So does that mean you want me to read? Well, I was trying to no, know. <laughs> my awkward pause wasn't for you to like get a get a clue dave no it was i was about to say the floor is yours but we're not in the same room so like what's the equivalent mm. when you're having a the air is yours i don't know yeah because we're not broadcasting either really huh words are failing the podcast is yours dave there you go there you go you are the captain now <laughs> all right so we're going to continue with verse 16 and we're going to go through uh the end of the chapter. For where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at death, since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. And in the same way, he sprinkled with blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered, not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself. Now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. 
nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy place every year with blood not his own, for then he would have to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sin of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Amen to that. Yeah. All right, so let's start back up at the top here in verse 16, where the writer of Hebrews is just writing out what a will is, right? Like a, a will and testament. Where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it uh, must be established. Where a will takes effect, only at death, since it, is not, since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive, right? This is just like basic law. You know, mm-hmm. my, yeah. my, my grandfather's will did not go into effect until after he died. And then my mom and my uncle had to work together to execute all that his will contained what to do with, you know, possessions and, uh, you know, any money that was left over and the sale of cars and a house and a boat and all of, you know, all of that stuff gets shaken out, you know, to varying amounts of detail based on the way the will is constructed, but they couldn't do that, nor would they have wanted to do it in this case until after he had passed away. It's just basic standard stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's kind of fun that what we know as a will today it acts the exact same way as when this was written mm-hmm. in a different place, in a different culture, in a different time, you know, roughly 2000, 1900, 1800 years ago, you know, somewhere in that ballpark that across time and culture, this thing has remained like, that's just crazy to think about. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's one of the, well, I don't want to say few things, but yeah, maybe few it is. It doesn't seem that there's a lot of things that that's true of, but yeah, it's yeah. very straightforward in terms of we understand what's being talked about here. There's not much. Well, and um, there's, I don't think there's anything <clears throat> inherently like spiritual about the fact that a will existed back then and it exists now. I just was like, hmm, hadn't thought about that. No, it, it, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I would agree, I would agree with We'll that. get into the spiritual aspect of it here in a second, but I just, there's there's little things in the Bible like that that um, I love catching. And I, I was able to uh, teach Bible study at church on Sunday night, and we were talking about the life of Joseph. And there's one point in Joseph's story um, in Genesis 41, verse 14, I think. I'll put it in the show notes. And this is where, you know, Pharaoh's had the, the dreams and no one in, you know, no wise man, no magician, nobody at all of Egypt can interpret his dreams for him. And then the cupbearer's like, oh yeah, two years ago, this guy in prison solved my dream. And <laughs> here's what happened. That guy died and I lived just as he predicted. I should probably go get him out of jail because it's been two years and I feel terrible. So Pharaoh has been obsessed with solving these dreams, right? To the point that he's had multiple dreams. He's asked every wise man, every magician. He's, for, for some reason, like, obsessed with solving this. And so when, when the cupbearer says, I know this guy, he's like, go get him right away. 
go get him out of jail. <clears throat> and then verse 14 says, and he pull it up here. So I do it justice because it's just, oh, it's so good, Dave. So with that urgency, right, that I just explained in mind, then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they quickly brought him out of the pit. And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, then he came before Pharaoh. Why do you have to tell us that he had to shave and change his clothes? Like, it's totally not important to the story whatsoever. It's a completely unnecessary detail. But it cracks me up because Pharaoh is just hellbent on getting his dream solved. And he has the answer. But he's going to make him shave and change his clothes before he comes and solves the problem. It's just like it lets you in on this, like this aspect of Pharaoh's personality or whatever. That's totally unnecessary, but it, like it totally humanizes the whole thing. I want my problem solved, but you get your prison stank off before you come solve my problem. <laughs> yeah. Like I've got my priorities. I am the Pharaoh after all. And so while this is very different from what we just read in Hebrews 9, it, it serves a similar. Uh, point in my brain of like the author is making a connection with the reader that isn't necessary per se like he doesn't have to explain what a will is because most people know but he takes the time to do it to connect with people so that when he makes the point later on it hits home harder yeah and so i just like finding these little things in the bible like this that that aren't necessary to the story or the narrative or, or the point, but add so much color or connection or depth to what's about to come. Um, so I just, I, I love when I find those things. So, all right. Soapbox over. (laughs) All right. So that leaves us, um, in verse 18. Uh, therefore not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people. That's weird. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine if we did that today? I mean, that... No. That is just weird. And it's one of those things where, like, symbolically, yeah, I get it. But then when you think right. about, like, oh, no, that's going to be on me. Yeah. Well, and it certainly wasn't symbolic then. I mean, it, it had meaning to it, you know. it's Yeah. There's an element of blood. Blood has to be. Well, and I think we've talked about it before. I mean, there's an element of, like... It just seems like blood is everywhere kind of a thing. You know, I mean, and even if they're cleaning, I mean, I don't think they just leave it. I think there's some, you know, clean going on. But even that, it's just, uh, it's wild to think about that. Well, and you just think about like, you know, bloodborne illnesses and diseases. Now, how much of that is, you know, in human blood versus animal blood, I don't know. I am not whatever a person would be that would know that information, right? But blood is generally equated with, ew, don't touch. Right. Don't yeah. lick, don't, just gross, right? Um, but it, it is interesting to me 
Because we don't know, obviously. Maybe they felt the same way about it as we did, but they did it because that's what God told them to do. Or, you know, maybe they were like, oh, blood's awesome. Like, we don't know. It it serves a very significant place, you know, if we could if we could consider blood a character in the Bible, the role that it holds is incredibly significant, as we're mm-hmm. gonna figure out even more here as we read this. But like it's the Passover, the blood of the lamb, like all of this stuff. Blood is a key um component of, and you know, it's life. Like we, we think of blood as like life, our life source, right? Like we don't live without blood. You bleed out, you die. There's plenty of other ways that, you know, your life can end, but blood is what pumps through your body. It's what, what brings oxygen. Like it's, so there's, I think a, and when we think of, you know, a sacrifice, they, you know, whether they gut it or cut its throat, like they bleed out the animal. And the blood represents the sacrifice. It is a physical mm-hmm. embodiment of the life that was just sacrificed. Um, so it's, it is both a key aspect of, of, of everything we're talking about, but like incredibly symbolic as well. Yes. But still icky. <laughs> I can use that in a serious way. Uh, so as he's sprinkling the book and the people with the water and the blood and the hyssop and the scarlet wool, um, he says, this is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. Oh, and that's the other thing too, right? Is <clears throat> like we said, the, the blood represents the life that was sacrificed. Like the blood inherits the value of, of the life of the sacrifice. The, the blood, you know, has the power of the sacrifice. It represents all that. So this is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. So this is the blood of the covenant. This is the power. This is the, the, the weight of the sacrifice that God used to make this covenant with you. Yeah. So in the same way, he sprinkled with the blood, both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. So the sacrifice was for the people and for the law, but also to purify the tent and all the vessels. And so this is God as like initial purification of his people, bringing all of them under the covenant, bringing all of them under that blood. Mm-hmm. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So this is an interesting, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rely on your, your uh, law enforcement, <laughs> your law enforcement knowledge here, Dave. Okay. Which, when stuff has blood on it, would, you, would, would a law enforcement person consider that purified? <laughs> no. It would be, it's either evidence or it's been tainted. Like, right, it's, I mean, it's obvi- obviously evidence, right? Because it's someone's blood. So let's figure mm, out yeah. who, whose it was, what happened, that sort of stuff. But I don't think anyone would see something covered in blood and first go, oh, it's been purified. No. So it is it is such a different uh viewpoint, right? Yeah. Well, and and even even in this when when an animal is still alive and you know you were talking about the taking the lifeblood from it 
that is a lot of blood. Like, I don't care if you're talking a sheep or a bull, but if the heart is still beating and you're hitting a major artery or a vein, I mean, it produces copious amounts of blood. And so that's even the other thing when I think about this whole, like, like the sacrifice, it's, I mean, it's going to be messy, uh-huh. you know? So, so yeah, one, if blood is present, I don't think anybody looks at that and goes, oh, this has been purified. And then two, with the amount of blood that is probably present, it's just nauseating. I mean, it's. Yeah, I, just, I would I would venture to guess that they knew how to kill it in a way that they were hitting veins and not arteries. So it was bleeding out, but it wasn't spurting. According to Google, there's an average of about five liters of blood in an adult human body. And that obviously varies by the size of the human. Right. Yeah. But, I, I just, I, you know, that's you put a, a liter of blood on the ground. That is a lot of blood. Yeah, that's, like people have no. <laughs> two and a half, two liters of Coke, right? Coke bottle, the big, you know. Yeah. Two and a half of those. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. All I got to say is thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but the important, the important, or I think the, the key phrase here is, at the end of 22, where it says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. That is a firm statement. It doesn't leave any room for wiggling or it is a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A super, like a superlative, uh, no, mm-hmm. it's, not the, it's not the right word. Definitive. Uh, yes, thank you. A definitive statement. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Period. End of paragraph in this case. Right. And it, I mean, there's a little bit for me in all of this of like, why? Uh-huh. Like, why is this this way? Like, I mean, can't God be like this? There's I'm raising even a totally different question, but like, can't God do whatever he wants to do? And if God can do whatever he wants to do, why does he require bloodshed? Like, why is that the thing, you know? And I don't want to oversimplify it, but I think there's a, there, that it, it demonstrates the gravity of sin. That is exactly where I was going to go. You know, was, and, and even, and that's one, okay. So off of that, that's one thing that I wonder that, not that, uh, you know, I want to be, you know, out there slaughtering birds and goats and, sh- you know, sheep and all. But how much do us Christians post Jesus, especially nowadays, you know, in modern American, you know, Christianity, where everything is love and it's encouraging family friendly music and, you know, all of the light side of stuff. How much does that cause us to not f- grasp the weight of our sin. And I know you and I have talked about this a lot. It's like, you know, maybe seeing a, an animal just sacrificed uh, regularly, mm. maybe 
that's a better reminder of the cost of my sin than, you know, a happy-go-lucky song on Christian radio that doesn't even acknowledge, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so I just, I just wonder, are we, are we missing? Now, you would think being told over and over again that, that a man who didn't know me and I never, you know, knew, chose to die in my place after living a perfect life, you would think that that would be heavy enough. Right. You know, but it's, it's yeah, you know, I don't know. <laughs> so, you, you know, you're talking about the touchy, or not touchy-feely, but everything is love and, and all that kind of stuff, and... Um, I, 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 I tread cautiously here, but, um, we've talked about John Eldridge before on here <laughs> and I have, I had somebody that I respect. Oh crap. I hope I don't start playing this. Um, somebody recommended John Eldridge's book, get your life back, mm -hmm. get your life back. You're not familiar with that at all, are you? No, I didn't think so. Much, and and yeah. it was kind of one of those things where I was like, I, 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 again, this is this is opinion here. This is my my human nature in this, but it's it's how I feel. So it's called getting your life back, and and it it talks about giving yourself space and 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 loving yourself and forgiving yourself and i i do think there is an element of our 21st uh century american lifestyle where we are overly busy and we are overly um just we're consumed with being effective and efficient and all those kinds of things and so that resonates me with me but <laughs> and this is a really, I'm wasting too much time on this. Um, he's talking about a couple that are basically on a tropical vacation and it rains the last day of their vacation and <laughs> wants to say that God intentionally had it rain for this couple so they could transition back into their real lives from their tropical vacation. <laughs> And what did you say about over spiritualizing stuff earlier? Well, I like I am literally like you really effing believe that God had it rain on a tropical resort because this flipping white affluent American couple needed it to rain on the last day to help them transition back into America. Well, like, what, and I'm sorry, all, I'm, I'm coming in my. Go you know what it does a lot in the tropics, Dave? Rains. It rains a whole lot. Yeah. And it makes it tropical. But, you know, God did it just for them. This, this white affluent. Anyway, I think you understand where I'm coming from. <laughs> and I didn't mean to go on that tangent or be so <laughs> cynical, but people, if I can tell you anything... All good things come from God, but please don't think the world revolves around you. 
please don't think the world revolves around you. And I'm not saying that God can't do something like this if that's what those people needed, but I'm guessing it rained because it's the tropics. (laughs) And there were a lot of people there that were... Anyway, Uh, forgive me, Jesus, if I'm being... Verse 23. Thank you. Thus, it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. Okay, so copies of the heavenly things to be purified was what? Uh, the tent, all the vessels used in worship, the, you know, the commandments, all that stuff that they just sprinkled everything on. Mm-hmm. Copies of the heavenly things, representations, you know, earthly representations of, of, of God and God's house and, you know, all of that. Uh, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices uh, than these. For Christ has entered not into the holy places made with hands, like the temple or the tabernacle mm-hmm. or any place like that, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. And this is... <sighs> Jesus dies on the cross, you know, spends a couple days in grave, comes back to life, meets everybody, then there's the ascendance right into heaven. And then this says that he's in heaven itself now, into heaven itself, to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Like, I, I don't even, like... Amen. I just, why? Right. Is really, really cool. And I know that's a weird way to describe. <laughs> like, we don't hear that very often <laughs> in, our, in a nice theological exposition of, you know, this passage. And wow, what Jesus did was really cool. But frankly, it was really cool. And the fact that he's in the presence of God on our behalf as somebody who, as it says earlier in Hebrews, um, can symp- or can sympathize with our weaknesses and that he's he's our great high priest and the whole point of the high priest was to intercede on behalf of his people right. so he's uh, yes. he's not he is not interceding in a tent that represents something that is heavenly he is representing us to god in, in heaven, heaven. Yep. there's like face to face there's nothing between god and himself and he's there on our behalf and that's just <laughs> really cool yeah and then it says in 25 nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy priest or the holy places every year with blood not his own for then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world jeez there's a sentence (laughs) but as it is he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So another key difference, right, between the old high priests and and Jesus, the final high priest, is he's not sacrificing somebody else's blood repeatedly. He's doing it once, and he's sacrificing himself using his blood to fulfill the entire law. And when you consider how many 
the high priests went and made that sacrifice over how many years? Over and over and over and over and ad nauseum. And then Jesus shows up, changes the entire game, and in one sacrifice, doesn't sacrifice somebody else but himself. And, you know, the thing that still just is mind-boggling to me is how violent his death was. Yeah, I still haven't watched the Passion movie. And I know it's... It's it's good. It's worth it. But it's... But it's... Because here's the thing. There's... And I know even as I say that, like, I... He could have died as peaceful of a death as there could be in terms of a sacrifice. What that is, I don't know. But he didn't have to be beaten. He didn't have to be hung on the cross. He didn't have to endure all the things he did. But it is so implicitly connected with who we are and how sinful we are and how violent we are and... Um, well, and, and even the lengths to which he was willing to go to save us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like his, he could have stopped his, it at any minute. Yeah. And it's just like, to your point, the, the, the violence and, and not even just the violence, but the, the vile nature of yeah, us it, conceiving yes. of, oh, this is a great way to kill a person because it takes a really long time and they will suffer in enormous pain. For a like, it's it is a truly evil thing that we are capable of such atrocity, and that's how to kill one person. And you go like you just look at human history, and it's just it's a carnival of different ways to kill people, be it one or many, and to think. And I totally hijacked your point, and I'm really sorry. No, you're fine. But, you know, we often, I hear people say this. I think it sometimes myself, like, there's no way God will forgive me for X. God can't forgive that person for whatever. And you look at the lengths with, to which he was willing to go to put, that Jesus was willing to, to suffer on our behalf. And then to tell what, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. Even in that moment, still sacrificing and loving us. And that's like, I almost wish, like, there's that part where it says, we're, you know, even while we were enemies, uh, still, you know, Christ died for us. Like, I kind of wanted to say, like, even while we were disgusting, evil, like, conniving, murderous, like, evil geniuses like how do we make that more like we conspired some of the most truly awful ways to kill a person and jesus got one of them and still went for it it's just yeah and we're still killing people today I mean, it's well, just... and I'm still sinning today. Well, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, let's just bring it back to Touché. to like to <laughs> non-murderous people. Um, that all like this whole thing, and yet I still sin, even though I am absolutely blown away by what he's done. Right, and not not just for me, 
but for the whole family. And it's, yeah, it really helps put into perspective, like how truly broken we are as humans and how truly good God is for wanting to make us not broken to Mm -hmm. restore all things to himself. And it also, but it's also encouraging to me a little bit. Like it's not just a constant, you know, kicking me while I'm down. It's like, no, like the Holy spirit is at work inside of me and inside of everyone who believes making us, you know, more like Jesus and bringing that fruit out of us. And the Holy Spirit doesn't give up on us when we screw up, you know, when we sin, when we doubt, but like just the constant reminder that God is with us, especially in our weaknesses. Like that's when he wants us to come even closer. Mm-hmm. That is that is so encouraging to me, right? Because how often are we, you know, when we screw up, that's when we get sent to our room away from the parents. Oh, yeah. That's when we get punished. <laughs> that's when things get taken away that, you know, and, you know, not that God doesn't discipline. Uh, he sure does, but it's a lot different. And it's just, I don't know. It's really... I'm just at a really interesting point with my view of, 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 of in my understanding of my sin and God's goodness. And cause my natural instinct, like when I sin, when I screw up is like, well, I can't pray for a day. I can't read my Bible <laughs> for the next two days. I can't work. Like I have to go like Adam and Eve. I have to go hide until I can oh, get myself oh yeah. back together. And then I'll go present a well thought out rebuttal to God for why I did what I did or said what I said or thought what I thought. And then he'll say, "Mm, yes, counselor, indeed. Okay. You are now forgiven. We may, (laughs) we may uh, become friends again. And the whole time God's just like, no, like come here, come here, come on. You don't, you know, because what is hiding? Hiding is shame. And there, you know, we see in scripture. A lot. Shame is gone. Fear is gone. We don't like those don't exist in heaven. Sorry, that one had a nerve. No, all good. I did cut you off though. I'm not, I'm not sorry for sharing. I'm sorry for cutting you off. (laughs) I don't even remember what that was. (laughs) I know. And that's why I'm sorry. Cause I, (laughs) you were in the middle of a thought and I just totally hijacked the train. All good. Um, All right. And then the last two verses say, and just as it is appointed for a man to die once, uh, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Because he already dealt with the sin. Yep. That's the first time around. Yep. That's such a good last verse. Like it. I just, I don't know if there's much to add to it. I think it's just such a good, it's uh, such a good yeah. conclusion to our conversation. Yep, I would agree.
All right. Well, that's it. David Grease. <laughs> Conversation over. <laughs> he is in charge. All right, folks. Thanks so much for taking the time to uh, join us on uh, this 187th episode. Um, if you haven't found the uh, show notes already in your podcast player of choice, uh, you can swipe around. They're there. You can also go to supermegacorp.net slash masterclass slash 187, and you will see uh, a list of all the stuff that we talked about there, including any fun links and uh, ways to get in contact should you want to do that. It would be fun. It would be cool to meet some people and say, hey. Um, otherwise, we'll be back in uh the next episode yes. which would be <laughs> 188 mhm indeed all right dave all right uh, farewell goodbye